the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. And welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, Please join us for the next hour of Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultancy Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Have you been outside today? The weather's great. And it's been great all this year. I hear this. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here watching the, the clouds and the clouds on the west side. They're just, they're just tiny little clouds. On the east side, I hear you've got some fairly big clouds over there. It looks like a little, maybe a little stormy. So spring is officially over now. And summer has begun. I think it was started on the 21st. Where does the time go? It's been so busy. I almost lost track of the time. I look at the date and, and things can't, they can't seem to be right. And talk about how time flies. Now I'm realizing it's almost July. And the summer is moving quickly. And the 4th of July weekend is a little over a week away. You know, the 4th is on a Tuesday. So many people are looking at Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, four days, four good days where hopefully we'll have some good weather, too, and you'll be able to enjoy a very long weekend. 
we have to make use of the rest of our summer wisely. That's particularly true when you think of the outside jobs that require good weather, like replacing windows or putting on a new roof. If we don't get these contractors scheduled, then they might not get started until late in the fall, and then it'll be touch and go, uh, seeing if they can do it in the winter months. And so we had better plan for those jobs and get the ball rolling. Then we can get down to our summer activities, uh, traveling, visiting children and grandchildren, tending to the garden. You know, with uh, with the COVID over, everybody seems to be traveling. Everybody seems to be renewed. I mean, it's almost like, hey, we were stuck and now we're back and and we're really going to live it up now. So... People are traveling, people are heading off on vacations that we all missed for the past couple of years. Life seems to be so much more normal now. It's like we're all glad to be alive. And along the way, we could even spend some of our time reviewing what's happening in the world and how that's affecting our investments, like this latest development in Russia, where this internal squabble between I think it's Prig Us. I'm going to mispronounce this gentleman's name. Prig Osen, who's the leader of the Wagner Group, the Wagner uh, paramilitary group. They've been squabbling with the Russian Army High Command, and that's broken into some sort of a mutiny, classified as a mutiny, where the Wagner Group has basically moved into the headquarters of the Russian army south in the city of uh, Rostov on the Don. So uh, Putin has denounced this act as treason and uh, threatened harsh punishment. Uh, Where this is going and how it will end is anybody's guess. It's just another unknown that the the market will have to tangle with somehow. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, it's too early to tell how serious these these people are. But this guy in charge of uh, uh, the, the Wagner Group seems to be fairly, fairly serious, and I'm sure Putin is, too. So let's talk about what happened this week in the market. This week, the U.S. stock fell after a hawkish message from uh, Federal Reserve Chairman Powell uh, maybe he thought that uh, investors were getting the wrong message after the uh, June 13th and 14th open market committee meeting. So uh, the U.S. stocks fell as Paul warned that higher rates would be needed to combat inflation, and that would be thwarting uh, bets that the U.S. Central Bank was nearing the end of its tightening cycle. So. Uh, Chairman Powell presented this message in his semi-annual monetary policy testimony to Congress this week. Uh, he met with the uh, Wednesday. He met with the House Financial Services Committee, and then uh, and Thursday he met with the Senate Banking uh, Committee. So, and uh, the message was the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said that. Uh, policymakers at the Federal Reserve expect interest rates will need to move higher to reduce U.S. growth and contain price pressures, even though 
they held rates steady at their meeting on the 13th and 14th of uh, this month. So Chairman Powell commented, quote, earlier in the process, speed was very important, uh, referring to the pace at which uh, officials lifted rates over the past year, but it's not important now. In response to lawmakers' questions, he said, it may make sense to continue moving rates higher in the coming months, but at a more moderate pace. So the timing of the additional hikes will be based upon uh, incoming data. Now, if you recall that the June meeting, well, recall it was only a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Federal Open Market Committee paused its series of interest rate hikes for the first time in 15 months. So uh, they left it at uh, the rates, the federal funds rates are supposed to work in that channel between 5% and five and a quarter percent. So the low point would be 5%, the high point would be five and a quarter. But uh, federal officials estimated rates would rise to 5.6% by the end of the year, according to their median uh, projections. That's that dot plot or shotgun plot where all the uh, attendees at the meeting get to get to give their ideas, their best guesses as to what the uh, GDP is going to look like, the federal funds rates are going to look like at the uh, next year, this year, the end of this year, next year, two years from now, stuff like that. So uh, the, it makes for a, a pattern that, that uh, uh, looks like a shot pattern, a shotgun pattern. So uh, they put those up there, and if you're anybody's best guess as to where we're going to end up at applying. Uh, so they're, they're saying that the, the uh, officials think that they're going to, federal funds rate is going to rise to uh, um, a mid-channel of 5.6% by the end of the year, according to their uh, shot pattern, implying that two additional quarter-point hikes following uh, uh, surprisingly persistent inflation and labor market strength. And that will put the, basically, I'll put the federal funds rate at five and a half to five and three quarters by the end of the year. So that 5.6 is kind of, you know, it's in between there. Uh, to give some sense of how many members were in favor of the future increase, uh, which is unannounced, but maybe uh, nearly all, he said, quote, nearly all the Federal Open Market Committee participants expect that it will be appropriate to raise interest rates somewhat farther by the end of the year. Reducing inflation is likely to require a period of below-trend growth and some suffering of the labor market conditions. So, and uh, uh, he went on to say, but at last week's meeting, considering how far and how fast we moved so far, we judged it to be prudent to hold the target range steady to allow the committee to assess additional information and its implications for monetary policy. So last week's policy decision 
had followed 10 consecutive increases in the uh, uh, federal funds rate, uh, and which is now in the rate, which is now in the range of 5% to 5.25%, and inflation and economic activity haven't slowed as much. There's the key part. Haven't slowed as much as many officials anticipated this year, casting more doubt over how high the Fed might uh, take interest rates later this year. So after holding the federal funds rates near zero following the COVID-19 pandemic, the Fed had raised the rates at every meeting since March of 2022 uh, by a cumulative five percentage points. And that was the most rapid series of increases since the 1980s. In the 1980s, uh, Paul Volcker, the chairman then, raised it 20 percent. And uh, that caused a, a big recession. But there's a big difference between uh, what uh, this Federal Reserve is talking about. They're talking about maybe five and three quarters percent versus 20 percent. So officials slowed their increase this year, lifting the rate by a quarter of a percent in the last three meetings. And uh, some officials uh, became more doubtful in March of the need to lift rates more after the run on the Silicon Valley Bank, and that resulted in three failures of mid-sized banks. They judged uh, they judged that the increase in funding costs for many other banks risked a credit crunch that would allow them to uh, raise rates by less than otherwise. Uh, Chairman Powell. Uh, further commented, we have been seeing the effects of our policy tightening on demands uh, in the most interest rate sensitive sector, and, but it will take time, however, for the full effects of monetary restraint to be realized, especially on inflation. That's unquote. And uh, so the message that he was giving Congress and in here I dwelled on the message with regard to uh, uh, the interest rate and what they're going to do with the federal funds rates. But he also talked about uh, regulation of the uh, small and, and medium-sized banks, as well as as well as the uh, uh, the enormous amount of uh, bonds and mortgage-backed securities that the Federal Reserve had on its books. These are two two other topics that, of course, these are banking committees that he's talking to. So they wanted to hear about the how are we going to get uh, uh, this $8 trillion of, of uh, bonds and mortgage-backed securities. How are we going to get that off the balance sheet? And then they indicated that they're going to run that off as the, as the bonds mature, and probably to the tune of a trillion dollars a year. So. Uh, they, what they, what they, the problem that they've got is basically they've got a strong economy and they've been raising rates. And uh, some parts of the economy have responded uh, and they slowed down. The idea was to raise the rates, slow the economy down, reduce the demand so that the, the demand and the supply were in relative agreement. and. 
and uh, hence reduce inflation. But uh, parts of the economy uh, are slowing down. Other parts aren't. Like you, you see uh, uh, new home construction. New home construction uh, slowed down dramatically when you increase the 30-year mortgage rate from three uh, percent to uh, uh, right now it's around six point six percent or six point seven percent so that slowed them down and we'll talk about that later in the show what's happening there in the new home construction and existing homes but other other parts of the economy like uh, oh like uh, you know the people have been cooped up and now they they're free of the COVID and they want to travel and they want to go to restaurants and uh, concerts and football games and everything else. So uh, the, the, uh, uh, you're seeing a certain section of the economy, the service section, uh, booming. And uh, you're, you're, you're basically, if you take a look at the economy, the economy has slowed in some areas. But it's still strong. People have jobs. Employers added 1.6 million jobs so far this year. People are getting raises. Inflation is coming down. Uh, uh, unemployment is low. People are spending. The latest report from the Department of Commerce shows that May spending was up three tenths of one percent after being up four tenths of one percent the month before. Uh, they're buying cars. Uh, the the uh, shopping in the you know, home improvement stores and furniture stores, uh, restaurants and bars are doing good business, and basically the Federal Reserve is pausing right now and and hoping against hope that uh, this the raises in the uh, federal funds rate have been enough that will that will please them no end, and uh, they they know that there's a, a lag between their actions and when the economy responds and what they don't want to be they don't want a recession to happen because they've raised the rates too high and be blamed for a recession and it and even you know the the increase in the rates does slow down the uh, uh, the growth of the economy so you are losing growth there and the question is the uh, uh, is it necessary? And, and their position is yes, in order to conquer inflation. But let's hope they're making the right judgments here in terms of what's going on. Uh, this week, global equities were mostly down. In the United States, the three major stock indices, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the Standard & Poor 500, and the NASDAQ Composite, were all negative. For the week, and that was dominated by the Federal Reserve Chairman Powell's congressional testimony. Uh, while in the UK, the FTSE 100 was down for the week, you know, as the Bank of England raised their interest rates by a half a percent. And in the European Union, uh, Germany's DAX and the stock Europe 600 were both down for the week. And in Asia, equities were also down. In Japan, the DK225 was down for the week, while in China, both the Shanghai Composite and Hong Kong Tang Sen Thing were both down for the week. 
On Friday, the major stock indices closed the week at the Dow Jones at 33,727.47. So it was uh, down 1.67% for the week. The Standard and Poor 500 closed at 4,348.33, and it was down 1.39% for the week. And the NASDAQ Composite closed at 13,492.52, and it was down 1.44% uh, for the week. So basically, the market had been going up, the, the standard of board been going up for the last five weeks, and it decided, well, enough is enough. So, and uh, they had to re. re calibrate because of the new message from the Federal Reserve and uh, that uh, there might be more interest rate increases in the future, possibly two of them. So uh, we'll see what happens there. And, and, and when, we, when we take a look at the what's happening in the big economy, it's useful in terms of interpreting uh, where our investments should be and what's happening to our investments. But the most critical part of any thinking about financing or anything like that is what's happening in your financial plan, what's happening in the not the macro plan, but the micro plan. Uh, have you identified your goals? you know what those goals are? If you put them on a piece of paper, uh, have you put a schedule there? I mean, these things don't have to be accurate. These are these are not things that are to six eight, eight significant figures. They're they're your best guess as to uh, things that are going to happen in the future. Probably the most the easiest one to guess is when you're going to retire. Uh, that's assuming that you get the choice and you don't get retired early uh, by your company or by your employer. Uh, but you know that you're going to retire sooner or later. Uh, once you retire, you're going to be on this 30-year journey from somewhere around 65 to somewhere around 95. And uh, you're going to have to accumulate a nest egg that will augment your Social Security and maybe your uh, other investments. To get you there, to get you to the end, and maybe have a little left over for the youngsters. Uh, but then there's a lot of things in between, depending upon where you are in life. If you're a youngster, the thing that's important is a, how do I get enough money to to have a car and an apartment? And then you start thinking about uh, getting serious, and then you start thinking about uh, marriage and and. Uh, 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 starting a family and all the expenses that go along with that, the standard of living for the family, uh, all that takes money, and you're, you're, there's only so much money coming into the house, which you've got to keep the standard of living in terms of homes, cars, and all the rest of it going. And at the same time, you have to save a certain amount and put it into uh, different funds in order to meet your goals in the future. Uh, maybe another house, maybe uh, education for the kids, 
maybe uh, medical expenses for their family, um, retirement, all these things that will have to be, there has to be money somewhere uh, that's been invested, been saved. The most important thing is to save it first and then invest it properly and then uh, keep track of it and, uh, uh, you know, follow that, follow the plan that you've laid out. If it's necessary to modify the plan, okay, modify it. But uh, at least you have a map to get from from here to uh, age 95. So uh, the important thing is you put that plan on a piece of paper. Uh, you can talk to people about it, see what their plans look like. Or if, uh, in general, uh, you won't know the details, but to me, uh, it's one of the things we do, and uh, we've done it for years and years. So uh, we're all hands at this. Uh, so uh, the important thing in all the discussions we have is how are you doing your financial plan? So uh, you can give us a call. We have a toll-free number. is 1-888-281-1110. That's 1-888-281-1110. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. And uh, let's talk about, uh, you know, the uh, existing home sales. You know, basically, we went through that, uh, we went through that 3% uh, mortgage money, and that was several years ago. Well, it wasn't that long ago, but uh, it's gone now. <laughs> It's getting up there now. According to the National Association of Realtors, existing home sales in May, which basically they report completed transactions. Uh, the completed transactions are for single-family homes, townhouses, condominiums, and co-ops. So the sales rose two-tenths of a percent uh, in May from April uh, to a uh, seasonably adjusted annual rate. Of 4.3 million homes sold 
And uh, but year over year, sales have dropped 20.4 percent from May of last year to May of this year. And by completed transactions, completed transactions refer to closings uh, that not merely the acceptance of an offer subject to financing and inspection, but it's rather uh, the offer is accepted and the money is changing hands along with the uh, deed. So the things that transactions that we're talking about in this report, uh, they happened at least uh, the initial uh, uh, acceptance phase was at least a month earlier, maybe in uh, March or April. And uh, so, uh, indeed, the National Association of Realtors Chief Economist, Lawrence Young, uh, he mentioned that mortgage rates heavily influence the direction of home sales, and relatively steady rates have led to several consecutive months of consistent home sales. A uh, persistent home sale problem has been the limited number of homes for sale. And uh, when I say limited number, uh, the total inventory of homes for sale at the end of May was up 3.8% from April, but down 6.1% from a year ago. So unsold inventory sits at a a three-month supply at the current sales pace. And uh, that's up from 2.9 months in April and 2.6 months in May. Now, these are national numbers from the uh, the, the Realty uh, National Association of Realtors. So uh, what it it is in the Cleveland area, uh, Cleveland has probably one of the uh, most and probably one of the best housing markets in the United States, if you consider some of the prices of homes in California and, and other cities in California and Florida and places like that. So the chief economist, Lawrence Young, observed that available inventory uh, strongly impacts home sales, too. And uh, he touched on an important point here in the quote, Newly constructed homes are selling at a pace reminiscent of pre-pandemic times because of the abundant inventory in that sector. That sector that he's referring to is the uh, newly new construction. However, existing home sales activity is down significantly due to the current supply being uh, roughly half of the level of 2019. Basically, what he's saying there is that, you know, so many people uh, refinanced their houses uh, when the mortgage rates were down around 3%. So everybody's sitting on, anybody that owes money uh, on their house, anybody that has a mortgage, uh, has got the lowest rate possible now. They've gone from 3% up to um, 6.7%. So uh, people are very reluctant to say, okay, I'm going to go out and buy another house and uh, face that uh, 6.7% mortgage. So they figure, oh, I'll stay with the house I got. That means you got less houses for sale. 
And that's what we were talking about before when you only had three months of supply versus the usual uh, optimum would be five or six months worth of inventory to, to sell. So also increases in home prices have slowed. Uh, the median existing home price for all housing types, that's single family, multifamily, in May was $396,100, and that was a decline of 3.1% from May of last year. May of last year, the median price was $408,600. I said, Like I say, these are national numbers. According to the National Association of Realtors, prices grew in the Northeast and Midwest, but they fell in the South and in the West. And in today's housing market, homes continue to move uh, fairly rapidly. You know, properties typically remained on the market for 18 days in May, and that's down from 22 days in April. Uh, 74% of the homes that were sold in May were on the market for less than a month. That's a big step from, from the days of the COVID when it took forever to move things. And first-time home buyers are still in the market. First-time buyers are responsible for 28% of the sales in May. And, uh, and the, again, of course, the higher mortgage interest rate is slowing down the sales. And according to Freddie Mac, the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is averaging 6.69% as of June 15th. And that's basically up from 5.78% uh, of one year earlier. And uh, if we take a look at um, uh, focusing on the single-family homes rather than condos, we see that single-family home sales dipped in May. We're down three-tenths of 1% in May from April and 20% from uh, May the previous year. And the median existing single-family home price was $401,100 in May, and that was down 3.4% from May of 2022. Now, if you take a look at condos, existing condominiums and co-op sales in May were up 4.7% from April, but down 23.7% from one year ago, and the uh, median median existing condo price was 353000 in May, and that was nearly identical to what it was a year ago. A year ago, it was $353,100. So now, if you take a look at the different sections of the country, the Realtor Association of Realtors they break it up into four sections, the Northeast, uh, the Midwest, or in the Midwest, uh, the South, and the West. And uh, what you're seeing is in the Midwest, uh, existing home sales slipped 2.9% from one month ago. And after decreasing 20.8% from the previous year, and the median price in the Midwest was two hundred and ninety eight thousand and that 
was up 1.1% from May a year ago. Uh, that 298000 looks great compared to house prices on the West, like uh, uh, in the West, like California and Nevada and Arizona. You're talking about uh, uh, sales being down 25.5% uh, from a year ago, and the median home price was $596,500. And the change in uh, home price from a year ago was a negative 5.7%. So in the Northeast, uh, the uh, sales were down 25.4% from a year ago, and the median price was $439,000. And uh, it had gone up 2.5% from a year ago. And in the South, uh, homes the sales were down 16.5% from a year ago, and uh, the median price was $361,400, and that was a 2.7% uh, decrease from uh, a year ago. So basically what we're seeing is that uh, home sales are tight strictly because a lot of people are sitting on their uh, 3% mortgages, and they don't want to give those up to jump into uh, a 6.7% uh, uh, mortgage, which should come down. question is when. Uh, you know, we were just talking about the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve, I think, is almost at the end of its um, increase in rates. So, um, when I say I think, you know, they they essentially are in pause right now, and uh, they're talking about uh, raising it another two times, a quarter percent each. But I, uh, the the stories I hear, they hope they don't have to do that. Uh, uh, but uh, hopefully, the the things that are causing inflation to come down will start to really act on inflation. Right now, inflation over the last 12 months is down to 4%. So, you know, in June of last year, it was 9.1%. Now that's 4%. Sooner or later, it'll be 3%, maybe by August. Uh, and then we'll see where they go from there. So the mortgage money should come down. Uh, mortgage interest rates should come down uh, maybe a year uh, from now. So I'm sure there's a lot of people that are waiting to uh, expand their homes or, or, you know, waiting for a chance to buy homes. But they're they're caught now between these high interest rates. At least the prices are are stabilizing anyhow. They're not going up like they were before. They're going down, according to these numbers, at 3.1%, but uh, that's not a whole lot. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. I'll be right back.
Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You know, we take a look at uh, home construction and home sales. Uh, what we just saw from home sales, existing home sales, was that, hey, there's not a lot of inventory out there for sale. And that's uh, uh, good news uh, for the home construction industry. You know, when new, new home construction has been slowing since the mortgage rate uh, increased. They were a low of 2.7% early in 2021. Isn't it funny how early in 2021 is when we first saw uh, inflation pick up? That was the, that was the time when, um, if you remember, inflation picked up, started to pick up, and uh, I think it was March of uh, 2021. It was first noticed when it got to 3%, and then it went to 5% by Labor Day, and then it was up to 7%. Inflation I'm talking about was up to 7% by Christmas of 2021. So here we're talking about the mortgage rates and the 30-year mortgage rate, and it was at a low of... Um, 2.7% when the uh, 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 inflation was first uh, noted. And, uh, of course, now it's 6.7%. Uh, but the, the rates were, the rates have increased, but uh, uh, and the end, the result was that the uh, new home construction was going down. Um, but suddenly in May, Starts and permits uh, surprise to the upside. So the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development they keep track of new home construction and their monthly uh, monthly new residential construction for May report. And the data for May shows that starts and building permits exploded uh, with starts up 21.7 percent month over month and permits up 5.2% month over month. So the demand for new home construction is basically being driven by uh, the lack of existing homes for sale, according to the latest numbers from the National Association of Realtors. There's about uh, two-and-a-half, three-month supply of existing homes for sale, and where there should be five or six months of inventory for sale. But homeowners, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, if you owe money on a house, you probably refinanced it to a 3% loan a few years ago. And now they're very reluctant to get back into the home buying market uh, with a present 30-year mortgage money at uh, 6.7%. Uh, just to give you a good picture of the home construction market, let's look at the single-family and multifamily homes. For instance, like uh, uh, May, from the uh, change from April to May, uh, that's a month-to-month change. For single-family, let's talk about starts. Uh, for starts, single-family starts are up 18.5%. In May from April, multifamily are up 28.1%. And if I combine them into a total, 
which uh, the whole thing is up 21.7%. Now, if I take a look at permits, what I see there is that the uh, permits for single family are up 4.8% from uh, in May from April. Uh, multifamily is up 7.8%, and total is about 5.2%. So we see that both single and multifamily are in demand, but there's more demand for the multifamily, basically because of the affordability issues. The affordability problem is, you know, affordability problem in new housing is due to increased prices and increased mortgage interest rates. And people are switching from single to multifamily. And that started in uh, 2022 and has been continuing into 2023. So uh, it started when the interest rates began to increase. The impact shows up in the year-over-year comparison. It shows that uh, if I compare the uh, uh, May of 2023 uh, compared to May of 2022, the starts for single-family homes was down 6.6%, and the starts for multifamily homes was up 39.6%. So it gives to show you where the where the emphasis is, where where the builders are putting their money too. Uh, if we take a year-over-year year comparison and just say, okay, uh, what are we talking about in terms of this year, 2000 and uh, uh, January of 2000, January to June of 2023 versus January to June of 2022? What you see is that the single-family uh, starts were down 24.3%, and the multifamily starts were up 4.6%. So uh, just to give you an idea of the relative size of the single family versus the uh, uh, multifamily homes, in uh, uh, 2023, the uh, starts for single family homes a year to date from January to June was 358,200. The year before, in 2022, it was 473,200. So that's where that 24.3% drop off in the starts occurred basically in the single family home. If I take a look at the multifamily home, a multifamily in, in 2023. Uh, they've, they've uh, started 223,100 homes, and the year before, in that time period, they started uh, 213,000. So uh, they've gone up about 4.6% uh, year to date on 2022 versus 2023. So what you're seeing there is that uh, new home construction. Uh, they thought they were going to fall off the cliff uh, when the interest rates went up, and they did. And uh, suddenly, uh, they've been saved by the uh, very fact that there aren't that many existing homes for sale. You see the 
And if you take a look at the uh, what the home builders are saying, uh, they have an index. It's called the uh, uh, HMI. It's the National Association of Home Builders and uh, slash Wells Fargo uh, Housing Market Index. And uh, uh, they put out comments in, in, with regard to what the builders are thinking about. And uh, with the scarcity of existing homes for sale and the resultant increase in demand for new home construction, home builders are becoming more confident about the future. According to uh, Alicia Hay, uh, chairman of the National Association of Home Builders, quote, builders are feeling cautiously optimistic about market conditions, giving low levels of existing home inventory and ongoing gradual improvements for supply chains. However, access for builders and developers to loans are becoming more difficult to obtain over the last year, which will ultimately result in lower lot supplies as the industry tries to expand off-cycle loads. And also, uh, uh, builders' confidence, apart from that builders' confidence in the market for newly built single-family homes in June, rose five points to 55, according to the National Association of Home Builders Wells Fargo Housing Market Index. And that was released uh, Friday, and uh, that shows that the uh, the builders are becoming more confident Robert Dietz, who is the chief economist for the National Association of Home Builders, commented that a bottom is forming for single-family home building as builder sentiment continues to gradually rise from the beginning of the year. This month marks the first time in a year that, that both the current and the future components of this index have exceeded 60. So uh, he commented, they continued to comment that the Federal Reserve is nearing the end of its tightening cycle. And that's also good news for future market conditions in terms of mortgage rates and the cost of financing uh, for the uh, developer loans. And uh, in this uh, report, that uh, contains the index, they also had another comment and another sign of gradual optimism for the state of demand for single-family homes. The June, June survey shows that overall builders are gradually pulling back on sales incentives. <clears throat> and they indicate that 25% of builders reduced home prices to bolster sales in June, the share was 27% in May and 30% in April. It has declined steadily since peaking at 36% in November of 2022. The average price reduction was 7% in June, below the 8% rate in uh, uh, December. And 56% of builders offered incentives to buyers in June, slightly more than in May. 
and but fewer than in December. December was 62% of builders were offering uh, incentives. So basically what you're seeing is that uh, the builders are uh, becoming more and more confident. They've been basically saved uh, saved from annihilation <laughs> by this uh, lack of housing for sale. And, uh, uh, you know, it, to me, it, it's an indication of how how strong this economy is. You even you even see it in the survey of consumers uh, from the University of Michigan, and basically what they concluded is that consumer sentiment listed lifted eight percent in June, reaching its highest level in four months. So reflecting greater optimism. As inflation eased and policymakers resolved the debt ceiling crisis, the outlook over the economy surged 28% over the short run and 14% over the long run. So people are getting happier, and the sentiment is now 28% above the historic low from a year ago, and and maybe resuming its trajectory upward trajectory. As it stands, though, sentiment remains low by historic standards as income expectations uh, softened and majority of consumers still expect difficult times in the economy over the next year. And uh, But uh, year-ahead inflation expectations recede for the second consecutive month falling to 3.3% in June from 4.2% in May. So what you're seeing is people are feeling better, people are feeling more confident, and they feel that inflation's going down. You're hearing numbers like uh, 3% in June, and uh, even their long-term uh, assessment of the inflation is somewhere down around uh, uh, 3%. So. Uh, you know, it, it's it's working out. The question, uh, the question is, how long is it going to take? Whether it's going to be two percent or three percent, will probably be a three percent inflation at a reasonable time. And then there'll be a discussion about what's the real goal: is it two percent or three percent? And we we lived with three percent before, so. Uh, it hasn't damaged the economy, so that might be the new thing. Who knows? Uh, this is Jim McAleese. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. I wonder, how do you gauge your work? I don't mean your dollar work. I mean, uh, I'll bet you're worth a lot more than you think. You've been striving to, to improve yourself by hard work and education and by looking for opportunities. Now, here's a story that may show you you are worth a lot more than you think. Here's the story. Before he died, a father said to his son, here's a watch that your grandfather gave me. It's almost 200 years old. Before I give it to you, I want you to go to the jewelry store downtown. 
tell them that I want to sell it and see how much they offer you. Okay. The son went to the jewelry store, came back to the father and said, they offered $150 uh, because it's too old. And the father said, well, let's try the pawn shop. Go to the pawn shop. And the son went to the pawn shop and came back to his father and said, the pawn shop offered $10 because it looks too worn out. And the father asked his son, well, let's go to the museum. You go to the museum and show them the watch. He went to the museum and came back and said to his father, the curator offered $500,000 for this very rare piece that to be included in their precious antique collection. The father said, I wanted to show you that the right place values you in the right way. Don't find yourself in the wrong place and get angry if you're not valued. Those that know your value are those who appreciate you. Don't stay in a place where nobody sees your value. So there are opportunities out there. Go get them. And until we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Slow, may God protect you and keep you safe. The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.